Andrew, it's my favorite week of the year. We have opening day. We have the Masters. And we just had the NCAA tournament. Let's do this. There's nothing like a little Remy late evening. And we're back. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. I'm Andrew Marchand, sports media columnist for the New York Post. John, let's get right to it. Who's up and who's down? Who's up? Who's down? John, let me start it off. Who's up? Scott Van Pelt. I'm going to tell you why. Just reported about the uh, deals for... Adrian Wojnarowski and Adam Schefter. Schefter gets $9 million per around there. Uh, Woj is in the $7 million uh, a year range. Uh, pretty good money over five years. ESPN just spent $165 million on their Monday night booth uh, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And it's clear that the ESPN chairman, Jimmy Pataro, is taking care of his superstars. Pataro, I've said this before, huge Yankee fan. He's kind of like George Steinbrenner now. He's going after the free agent he really wants and not going to take no for an answer. And then the people he wants to keep, uh, and it's only a small group that that, that are must-haves. So I think Van Pelt is probably due up for an improved deal because the market has changed uh, with social media, gambling, uh, and the other streaming platforms. We'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, but who's up? Scott Van Pelt. I was worried when you said you were going to bring up Scott Van Pelt because of our, our pod rule. Only nice things about the, um, the Maryland grad, RTVF major, who I shared a class with, Andrew. That's your rule. I'll say what I want about Scott Van Pelt, but listen, he, <laughs> he, he does a great job on the late sports center and then the Masters this week. Uh, he is in charge on ESPN's coverage. On that note, you had who's up, Scott Van Pelt. I have who's up, Jimmy Pitaro, who runs ESPN. Did you see those ratings for the women's basketball tournament? They were huge. Nearly 5 million viewers watched a championship game. That's the most in about two decades. He is right now sitting on a sweetheart deal that runs about two more seasons. You know, we have to have a topic in a future pod. Who has the best deals of any network? This deal that ESPN has for the NCAA uh, tournament, where they get 24 NCAA championships, they spend less than $40 million a year for them. Wow. That's got to be at the top of the list. CBS, SEC, that's got to be near the top of the list. I got, I got to develop that at some point. But oh, yeah, we'll have to do that list uh, at some point. All right, who you got on who's down? All right, who's down? I got Jimmy Pitaro. He's about to spend a lot of money on Formula One rights. Uh, I've been looking into this for the past couple of months, and it seemed like ESPN were going to be able to keep those rights no problem. It started, it, it got the Formula One in 2017 from NBC and paid no rights fee. It renewed the deal in 2019, started playing a, a little bit more of a, a rights fee. But the guy who runs Liberty, Greg Maffei, and Liberty, of course, owns the F1. He made comments to CNBC that essentially said they aren't close to a deal. And his quote was, it could be ESPN. It could be someone else. It's likely to be at a much better price. So I still see ESPN as having the inside track, but don't discount NBC, which has IndyCar, NASCAR. There are other uh, opportunities out there for Formula One. The one thing I would say to that, though, is I know F1 is on the rise, but it still is F1. <laughs> you know, it's not the NFL. Uh, and they have, they have gotten, they had, you know, they have deals. We'll get into this because it gets into the Woj and Schefter stuff. But, uh, but I see your point. I and mean, they, they, they've helped build that. A lot of people give Netflix the credit on that. But I think a lot of it also has to do with how it's produced. 
um, and the events and people enjoy that and, and uh, how much action is just nonstop uh, when people watch F1. Compare F1 to where it was in 2017, and it's, it, it, it's, it's been huge. And I, it's something that ESPN does want to uh, keep, but it's not something that they want to overpay for. Yeah, isn't the rights fee zero right now? No, they, they're paying a, a small rights fee. Their, their first rights fee was at zero. Okay. And then in 2019, they renewed at a smaller rights fee. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to jump up a lot. Right, it's not going to be like some kind of NFL deal. So, I, I don't know. They, they'll, 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 <laughs> if you use the NFL they, as a barometer, that's tough, Andrew. That's, I mean, it's tough for every other uh, league that's out there. All right. My who's down is Jim DiLorenzo, the head of oh. Apple. All right. Here's Poor why. Jim. Yeah, well, you had him on the way up last week. I'm going to go on the way down this week. I'm just trying to figure out this baseball deal they did on Friday night. I know Apple has endless money. The money is nothing to them. What it was, I think it was, it was, you know, hundred around hundred million, give or take uh, one way or the other. Uh, and so it doesn't really matter for Apple. I just don't really see the logic with it because I just feel like people are just going to be annoyed that they get one or two games from their, of their favorite teams. And that's all they care about in a regional sports environment. Like, I don't think you want to annoy people about your product. So I just don't, I don't see really what that does for Apple. I mean, maybe you bring a couple of people into the tent, but you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I, I did a story about Amazon, the Yankees, which was on the back page in New York post about 21 games that Amazon's going to have. And I just think that one makes a lot more sense. We'll get deeper into that, but look, we'll talk about this too. If, D- if DiLorenzo comes in and gets Sunday ticket, which we think he might, that does change the equation of Apple as a sports entity. But if they do soccer and maybe do MLS and stuff like that, I don't know if uh, that really moves the needle. Yeah, this is a topic coming on. I have a lot of thoughts about this. So let's, let's move straight into the topics now. Andrew, as we're taping this, you just published a story about Woj and Schefter renewing with ESPN, and you got inside sort of the contract details, you got inside the, the, the uh, negotiations that they had with the gambling companies that, that were sort of on the periphery. You're at a cocktail party. What's the first thing you want to say about your story? I mean, what, what's the main point that comes out of it? Well, I did like the term... Uh, deliciously ridiculous. Can I say why? I have one pet peeve of that. Did you put in deliciously? Oh yeah, I love oh, that. Come on, it, that's an ode to my buddy Tyler Kepner, New York Times great baseball columnist. Who, what uh, is it about baseball columnists? Tom Boswell had the word delicious in just about every column that he wrote. I hate it. Oh, uh, I don't use it that often, but I wrote it about a game way back when. It might have involved actually Pat Mahomes, the senior who was a pitcher with the uh, Mets. And, uh, you know, I've been friends with Tyler for a long time now and he brings it up. So it's just kind of, it is, it's a, I love that term, deliciously ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds like you're talking about lucky charms. <laughs> That's what I like about it. I, I don't use it all the time. It's only for special occasions. But when you're talking about contracts that between Schefter and Woj are going to be for more than $80 million each five-year contracts now total, that's total. So uh, Schefter's getting about 45 uh, and uh, Woj is, is getting around 35 plus, you know, give or take some. Uh, and they also, though, is important. They have the right to possibly do gambling deals, most likely with a partner of ESPN. Schefter also has his podcast rights so that he could sell that. Again, ESPN will have the right to keep them in that scenario. But uh, so that's huge money. So why did they do this? You asked me at a cocktail party. Now, people are interested at a cocktail party. Okay, it's like a sports media cocktail party. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the thing I would tell them is, uh, 
the reason they're doing this is that ESPN, they once were known as the worldwide leader in sports. They've kind of taken that moniker off, but they still are, right? They're still, we can talk about Amazon and Apple and all these other smaller platforms. ESPN's still the leader. So what have they done over the last two plus years? Uh, Jimmy Pitaro, their chairman, and then his top lieutenant, uh, Burke Magnus, have made all these deals. They've outlaid more than $40 billion, the biggest one, of course, with the NFL, where they gained two Super Bowls, better NFL games, uh, more NFL games. Uh, they got baseball. They got playoff games, uh, first round of playoffs starting this year. They got the NHL and the Stanley Cup. SEC's coming on in 2024. Uh, and then the NBA, they already have the finals. They have college football's uh, national championship. So you see what they do. They have the, they're getting the marquee events. The only one you can really rival them is Fox sports uh, in terms of the, the cream of the crop, uh, the best events. After you have that, what do you want? You want the top booths. You want the top information. Now we can get into the money and if it's uh, deliciously ridiculous or just insane, right? That's a, there's an argument. There's a discussion point that we could have about that, but they have the money. So they went, and again, this is all subjective, but they went and get Buck and Aikman who if not the best booth, you know, maybe the best booth that they solidified that again, so much money, but they solidified that top insider in the NBA is clearly Woj. Uh, he's number one in the NFL Schefter, you know, look, it's a little more competitive perhaps in terms of the top guy, but you can make a good argument. It's Schefter that he's the most important. So they keep those people uh, in baseball. They added Jeff Passan you know, only on his second contract with ESPN. So a million dollars a year, his family will still eat. And then in college football, they just added Pete Thamel. Again, three of those four were Yahoo Sports, uh, who Pitaro had at Yahoo Sports, which is interesting. And so when you look at it, that's what they're trying to do. They want to be the worldwide leaders in not only games, but also the information and in the booths. All right. So Schefter and Woj right now, how close did they come to leaving ESPN? You're making it sound like, ESPN didn't make, make allow them to get close with anybody else. I don't report everything I hear because there's just like no reason to. I had heard that Schefter was a better chance Schefter could leave than Woj. Um, it makes some sense uh, because when you look at Woj's options now, I do think that he possibly, he, he definitely could have done something with the gambling company and then maybe added Turner Bleacher Report in a smaller deal. So you do a 10 plus million dollar deal with a gambling company and then you do something with uh, Bleacher Report, Turner, um, and at a smaller price point, but you're still on TV, et cetera. Woj, I don't think wanted to leave. You look at it. Why would he want to see that ESPN space? When you talk about talking about the NBA, ESPN is clearly the leader and Woj leads that in terms of the information. Stephen A leads it in terms of the opinion making. Um, and then they, they have you know, a bunch of other people, of course, as well involved. Uh, and then for Schefter though, look, he, I don't think he came close to leaving, but I think that there was more of a chance because again, when you think about combining a gambling move, right, where you get 10 plus million dollars to go to with a gambling platform and basically they're buying you to market your social. And then when you break stories, it would force ESPN to put the gambling company's name on the bottom line, uh, raises awareness. And then you could have, there's a lot of entities. You could have gone to maybe Amazon as that second partner. You could have gone to CBS, you could have gone to Fox, um, NBC. There's a lot of options potentially with that. So I would say Schefter might've been closer to leaving, but at the end of the day, they didn't really allow that to happen. And they even gave them a chance to make even more money. You know, especially Schefter seems a little bit more um, perhaps aggressive on that front in terms of maybe adding a gambling. He kept his podcast rights. Uh, Woj's podcast is still under that ESPN umbrella. It's a little bit cleaner and simpler. 
in terms of Woj, but he'll have that, uh, that option too. They have the same agency and CAA, uh, but it wasn't like there was going to be a package deal between the two of them. They're, they're separate entities, even if they're close friends. So let's look at this from the other uh, standpoint. I mean, we, we're uh, seeing ESPN strategy develop. Like you said, they, they want to get the moat. They want to get the top talent. They want to get the top rights. What about the gambling companies now? Because they were very serious about trying to increase their editorial by getting these information guys. What, what happens to their strategy? Do, does the next run of the information guys, are, are they about to get paid? Or if you're a gambling company, do you rechange your strategy now? Well, they, look, I, I, their strategy is more like a marketing strategy. It's not like they're about to build up newsrooms. Like, there's no evidence that they're doing that. Uh, maybe they will. So at one point I'd say, I was saying that they're, that these gambling companies are media companies. And it's true that they're, they're interested in media personalities, but then those people are kind of on their own. Like if Woj or Schefter had gone to FanDuel, they weren't really creating a newsroom where it would be like another ESPN.com and you do that type of thing. It'd be more like he breaks stories on Twitter, then you have some sort of sponsorship with FanDuel or DraftKings or whomever. And it's more of like a marketing thing. And look, I don't have any problem if someone wants to do that. I mean, it's, it's a little more mercenary. They're still going to be going after people, especially people who have big social followings that they think can move audience because all they're interested in is acquiring potential gamblers who are going to gamble on their platform for the rest of their lives. It's huge money when you get one person to come over, especially if they're gambling you know, nightly or weekly uh, for the next 30 years. And so, and this is the, this is just at the infant stages, they're going all in on terms of trying to acquire gambling and they're going to see what works. It seems like McAfee must work for FanDuel because they re-up for 30 million. So that you would have to think that behind the scenes, and I've been kind of told this, they see that his fan base comes over and gambles. Andrew, uh, one, one other aspect of this that I'm in, interested in, uh, deals for $8 million, $9 million a year. Of course, uh, Jimmy Pitaro has to sign off on that. Who's leading these, these negotiations internally? Is uh, Pitaro sitting down at the table with, uh, with the, the representatives and getting these done? Yeah, I think these are Pitaro-led deals. Um, I don't know if like he's you know, <laughs> writing out every little thing, but you know, Chef you know, Woj and Pitaro have known each other, like I said, for a long time because he worked for him at Yahoo!, uh, and obviously he, he's known Schefter, but they did meet up at a diner in Westport, Connecticut. Uh, and that's where the deal, um, at least Schefter told Peter King of NBC that, you know, that's where he felt like he's going to, you know, he's going to do the deal there. I don't think money was, ex- you know, numbers weren't exchanged there, but look, I do think there's something to feel comfortable about staying in the place. And then when they pay you, like, I mean, they got paid. It's crazy money. I, what I, we can, we've kind of become a little bit immune to it, but it is insane money. Now, are there deals made that are kind of unholy? Yeah, I think so, right? I, and I'm not, that aren't totally cool with the NFL insiders, but you don't get to that spot without working and having sources and doing good work. Um, and those guys both work super hard. So I think when you, if you're ESPN and you're investing that money, again, forgetting the actual number, those guys are working nonstop and they are like the lifeblood of information into those sports. And you could say, well, some of it's going to be announced. Yes, yeah, some of it is, some of it's not. And, you know, the NFL insiders, for the most part, maybe not Mike Florio at NBC, they're kind of part of the league, it feels like sometimes, where they're sort of, um, you know, Schrager doesn't do that as well at NFL Network. You know, he kind of gives you a little kind of a lot of inside tidbits um, that maybe others don't necessarily always say. But a lot of them feel like they're just giving you the transaction that kind of goes and feeding the beast. 
Yeah, I, I was going to actually go right into that. Don't underestimate the influence from the leagues in convincing ESPN to get these done. I, I know uh, the NBA looks at Woj as somebody that they want ESPN to continue with because he's writing about these transactions, you know, 12, 12 months a, a year. Uh, the NFL, you know, they, they like the types of stories that Schefter breaks. I mean, Schefter isn't breaking the stories about, you know, Jerry Jones and in, in, in Dallas, you know, that Don Vanata is, is doing. And he's, he's not getting inside the, the Patriots like, uh, you know, Seth Wickersham. You know, he's doing transactional type of deals and, and the deals that almost, they, they help to market the league better. And I know that the league has, uh, I don't want to go so far as to say they put pressure on ESPN, but they cert certainly made it known that they, they wouldn't mind if ESPN renewed them. And with the NBA deal coming up in a couple of years, you know, that's, that's something that certainly was in the back of uh, Jimmy Pitaro's mind. A hundred percent. So uh, good for all of them and good for us. Cause it gives us stuff to talk about as we go forward. Especially Topic one, in fact, I know. Wow. <laughs> and also, uh, if we're still going with this podcast in five years, all these contracts will be up, which will be interesting. Uh, that'll be fun to talk about. See what happens there. I won't make you predictive, Phil, be in other contracts for all these guys, but uh, something to keep in mind. All right, let's go right into topic two, the NCAA tournament. Uh, Andrew, we've been particularly hard on the uh, top uh, booth at the NCAA uh, tournament, uh, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill. Uh, we, we just think that other booths actually were better uh, during the tournament. I thought the way they called the championship game was a little bit better than you thought they called it. Like, wh what did you think? Well, I thought Raftery had some moments as a basketball announcer. I just don't think Jim Nance is really great. I think he misses too many big calls. If, you know, if we, if we went uh, big play by big play, and if he's punctuating these calls, and if you know what you're looking at, his rhythm's not there. It's just, he doesn't do a lot of games. The overall crew, you can hear it. Um, and look, the thing he's probably should be best at is that last call. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't really hit it even on the, uh, on the, on the, who won the national championship. Yeah. So let's go to that last call right now. Kansas is up by three. Carolina has four seconds left and they're inbounding the ball. And here's Jim Nance. Here we go. Manic circling around. He slipped underneath. They go to love. Love's going to be the one to take it. Puts up the shot. It's off. The game is over, and Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback all time. I always have this image, Andrew, of play-by-play -play announcers the night before, like writing down, you know, what should my last last play call be? Uh, Jim Nance obviously didn't do it there. All of them say they, they don't do that, by the way. But he tried to incorporate, you know, the biggest comeback that there was and did seem a little garbled on the words. It was a little halting. You had to take a pause and then say all time. And, you know, he's done better. They all do plan it out. Um, and why wouldn't you, right? Like I, I would, yeah. I, no, there's no reason not to. It should be planned, but then you have to adapt, uh, which Nance did try to do. So give him credit there. He didn't just go because he, he, I'm sure he had something uh, set because he always has every year of like what he wants to say there. The problem was with that, he had to improvise because it was the greatest comeback of all time. And it was stilted. Okay. I know people are listening to this podcast and like, listen, Marshand, you're stuttering all the time. I get it. That's <laughs> Talk about stilted. I'm stilted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree, but I'm not doing the national championship. Uh, I'm not one of the biggest sportscasters of all time. Uh, and, you know, this is our job. 
so to talk about this stuff and to write about it and to break stories and all that kind of stuff. So I hear you on that. But on that call, you're not there. And my bigger issue is like the call, the play before that, right? And this is where the guys who are studio guys really at heart, which I think Nance is, you know, he's a golf announcer, slower game. That's where his passion is. And that's where he's best at. This is where they, they miss it. And you don't do a million games. You just show up at the end of the season and you're doing uh, March Madness where it shows up. The repetition helps, right? Like eventually we'll get better at podcasting. Okay. People stay with us. Eventually we'll get better. Uh, but we promise. <laughs> we promise. Give us a thousand episodes. When the Kansas player stepped out of bounds, they were late on that call. Raftery finally said it, right? When, and he was on, and Raftery actually had a pretty good game. Uh, not actually, I mean, he's a legend. Raftery right. had a, he had a very good game. He had a very good game, but they were late on that. And it's confusing. I mean, that was the hugest play possibly of the college basketball season. And they weren't on top, especially Nance, uh, when you listen to it. Twice. So that was the replay of that final call. Uh, and it was so important. I just, they weren't on it. So it's like slightly confusing when the play by play guy is not fully on the calls. It gets slightly confusing. Was he out? Was he not out on the replay? They figured it out, but that was one where I thought they could have been better, especially Nance. But I will say this. I think that uh, Raftery and Grant Hill had a good game. And here was uh, the, the uh, final basket by Kansas, where I thought that they, they did a really good job telling me as a viewer where the ball was going to go before the ball got there. Let's give that a quick listen. There's that wide set they like to run. High low action right now. Yeah, that's Wilson. their game right there. McCormick, he's got to go up. Panic trying to keep him away, and he hits another one. Two straight. You had Grant Hill correctly identifying the high-low game that Kansas was running. You had uh, Raftery talking about how that was part of their strategy and getting it in there. And then Nance did a nice job on that, too, in my opinion. He just sort, sort of, you know, got the play, got what was going on, and, and called that one pretty well. I mean, I've said enough. Like, I, I'm not a huge Nance fan. I don't know. That's like the big, you know, I made a three-point game. I don't really think it's back-to-back -back hoops there. It's a three-point game, and that's where the emphasis. I will say it's a three. And Nance is a little bit of his defense. It's a three-man booth. Um, and Raftery is a quick commentator. Like he likes to analyze right away. Um, so that's just also working together, even though they've been together for seven years. Yeah, it was, it was, it was okay. Yeah. Three men booths are tough. They're tough to do. And I, I just think that's one of the reasons that we also liked, uh, some of the other commentators, but Andrew, let's go to what you thought was the best basketball call of the weekend by an NCAA announcer. Well, we talked about Iron Eagle should do the, you know, should be the number one play-by-player -player on these games. And you had North Carolina Duke, uh, you had final four, you had the championship game and the best call of the weekend, uh, Damian Woody of the Jets ESPN. He's the one who tweeted this one out uh, was this Kevin Durant shot on Saturday night, night of the final four. Uh, I Eagle was doing the game for yes. Uh, Atlanta and the Nets. And here's Durant from downtown. They trail by nine. We're going to hit the two minute mark. Oh no. Yeah, so I think that shows just it's just the energy. Ian you know, Eagle, kind of like Marv Albert back in the day, Mike Breen now. Harl into a point, even though he doesn't do a team. When you do a team, you're just in the rhythm of the game, and you hear that. We heard that during the St. Peter's run. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I think there's other people even besides Ian Eagle better than Nance at this point. Um, and I just also think Nance does too much, right? Like he's doing the PA, he does the post game, like 
I don't know. I, I, I think Tracy Wolfson could do the post game. Um, that's me. I think the person who does the uh, PA all year could do the PA. I just don't understand, you know, it all gymnasts. And then, you know, but the, the biggest thing is get the calls fully right. And, uh, you know, it's clear I equals better. Well, that's, uh, let's just move right into topic three, Major League Baseball. The season's starting. What's your big takeaway? Well, there's a lot. I mean, I think streaming is going to be a big story. Uh, I wrote last week, it was our back page, that Amazon is going to do 21 games exclusively on Amazon Prime Video of the Yankees. Uh, this is kind of a, um, something that started a few years ago when uh, the Yankees, Sinclair, and Amazon bought the Yes Network. Uh, these games formerly were free uh, in Channel 11 in New York. Uh, so regionally, these games will only be able to be seen with a uh, subscription to uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, and so that's going to be a big story. Apple TV Plus is going to be a big story. Peacock's going to come in with their Sunday morning, late, after, late morning, early afternoon games. That will be a big story. Um, so TV-wise and then ESPN, new booths. Uh, with uh, K-Rod and then also with the uh, Cone, Ravich, and Eduardo Perez on Sunday nights. All right, this is supposed to be the baseball part of our discussion, but you brought up Peacock. It's going to have MLB games, Apple TV+, Plus, Amazon. You had a column in your Monday newsletter where you uh, championed, again, as you have this entire pod, Amazon sports strategy, but you scratched your head a little bit at, at Apple's. You did it on the who's down on this. Like expand that a little bit. What I mean, what what is what is Apple doing that's necessarily different than what Amazon did a couple of years ago when they were first trying to get into the into the sports business? Well, first off, then Amazon's ahead of the game, right? They started a couple of years ago, and so they first built up internationally. And I just think you always talk about this. This is kind of your big thing. Like well, these are huge companies. Why aren't they you know hitting home runs? And even though you somehow make light of Thursday night football, the NFL, the most uh, prime property there is. The, the worst that package that's out there. Okay, well, you don't start with the Super Bowl. It's the NFL. Their plan makes some sense. When you look at the history of the way that the leagues have driven TV networks, in the United States, it starts with two things are probably the most important when you look nationally and regionally. The NFL and the New York Yankees. Okay, the NFL uh, helped launch Fox as a major fourth network in our country in the early to mid 90s. Number one, ESPN, when it got the NFL, you know, I think it was at 87, they got the NFL. That's when their cable fees went up, where it's ridiculous and why they've dominated basically since then. The NFL has been the most important property. If you look at the most expensive regional sports network, it's the Yes Network here in New York. Uh, with the Yankees. So you look at what Amazon's done. The NFL, they got that. They have a deal with the Yankees. They got that. Internationally, it's soccer. They've gotten top Premier League rights, Champions League rights. There's also cricket. I don't know anything about cricket, but I think they have top cricket rights. I don't know which ones those are, but they're the top. I think they have some top ones of those. So that's what they're playing in. Uh, Apple so far, look, Apple can change. They got a lot of money. It's just, there's a moat now because ESPN's done all these long-term deals. Amazon's gotten in and these deals aren't opening up for a while, except for the NBA, which is going to sit pretty. NBA is going to get a lot of money. I think there's, I thought at one point, oh, the NBA got so much last time. We'll get a lot more. I mean, I don't see how they don't. It's going to be big, big, big numbers, but Apple could end up MLS, MLB. Now they might get Sunday ticket, but Sunday ticket's not a really a, it's a big deal. 
Um, but it's not, you're not doing programming. You're kind of like selling, if you're Amazon, it's like selling paper towels. You're taking in those games and then you're going to sell it and, you know, try to get people to prime and then uh, sell it for, for extra money and Apple, the same thing. So it's a little bit different. Now it is a game changer. If they get it, then they're really into sports, but they're more of just like, this is where you give out your payment and you're getting this digitally instead of uh, via satellite TV, which is a big deal for the consumer. But in terms of what we're talking about, I don't know. I tell me, am I wrong? What I just laid out is how is not Amazon's plan, not more um, cohesive and, and, and make more sense. Well, I'm going to stay consistent uh, with, with, with this. And I, I, I don't see how either of their strategies works at all. Because when you described ESPN in, in, the, in the late 80s getting the NFL, and uh, then, then it started charging 20% increases to the uh, cable and satellite operators to, to get to where they are, and you described Fox, that's a completely different media environment than what Amazon and Apple are in right now. So one of the reasons that ESPN has been able to pay the NFL more than $2 billion a year going back more than a decade for a Monday night football, which until Thursday night football was the worst package that, that, that was out there when it was on ESPN. I mean, they, they, got, they got the worst games is because they were able to get money from cable and satellite operators. They were able to get money from advertising. I don't see where Apple and where Amazon are gonna be able to make money off of these deals if they continue to try to outspend uh, the, the, the traditional media companies, because I, I know that Amazon sells, sell, sells merchandise and they have other revenue streams, but that's different than a monthly check that comes in very consistently from a, from a cable operator. These are for-profit companies. And it's, at some point, they're going to look at these sports deals and say, I'm not making money on this. DirecTV was desperate to get out of Sunday ticket a couple of years ago. It tried to exercise an out where the NFL went elsewhere. They were paying two, you know, like a little, little bit more than $2 billion a year for Sunday ticket. They couldn't make money off of it. But now Apple thinks it can make more than DirecTV off of it. Look, I'm gonna defend Apple here. I don't think they think they're gonna make more than DirecTV. Like this is gonna be, I, I would say this is most likely a loss leader for them. They wanna build up Apple TV plus. So you're all about, getting people to pay you $4.99 for the rest of their lives. So right now, getting to acquire those people to start doing that and then liking Ted Lasso uh, and then the, the movies they have and the shows they're producing, um, you can see how you build something and it takes time. You don't just start at the top. Uh, that's your thing, John. You like to start at the top just because... Um, you know, if I have if I have the purse strings that a Jim Lorenzo has at Apple, absolutely, I want to start at the top. I mean, and I think they are too with the uh, with, with the negotiations going on with the NFL. We all think well, a lot of people think well, we all have uh, Amazon Prime, and we don't, right? First off, they just added twenty. They just raised the price twenty dollars for the year. Okay, that's significant when you have two hundred million people. Um, what there's four billion dollars right there. You know, there you go, four billion. Uh, we're just gonna we're gonna take. We we didn't do one different thing. You know, they 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 pointed to the NFL. They pointed to uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings series. I think that cost a half a bill. For half of that half a bill, they could have gotten Buck, Aikman, Schefter, and Woj. Anyways, <laughs> when you add all that up, right? If you if you acquire people, it's been proven. I think from Amazon Prime. Once you have Amazon Prime, you buy more from Amazon. And whatever people think about it, if it's taking over the world, whatever, once you start doing that, it's hard to stop. It's such a great, convenient service. Uh, and most people just really like it. Uh, and so 
if you're in New York and you didn't have it before, now you have the Yankees, right? First, you're mad. You have to get it. But now you get 21 games. So basically every one game a week uh, for the whole regular season. That ends, and all of a sudden, the only way to watch the NFL is on Thursday night football. So now you have the NFL. Then maybe in a couple of years, you get the NBA. All of a sudden, you have this built-in where I cannot get rid of Amazon Prime. And then they're just going to keep jacking up the price on Prime for your free, quotes shipping. It's not free. I gave you $139 in rising. Um, and I'm buying all this stuff where they just take, they skim off the top for every product and they don't really, yes, they have a great mechanism to deliver it and store everything, but they don't have anything really to do with all these products. Uh, so I think the business model kind of does make sense. And last thing they're in it for the long haul. That's what they're, all their businesses, they go in the long haul, they get in there. Why are they doing this? Oh no. And all of a sudden Amazon's dominant. Listen, when ESPN got the NFL, it was in what? 30 million homes. And it had a growth prospects where it got in over 100 million homes. Amazon Prime is saturated now. Everybody gets it. Like it's over like 100 million people already. There's 300 million people in the in the in the country. But like you're adding so much money. This is for like once you get it, and you, if they have this, and they can keep you. They have you for life. That's so much money from each person in the United States. I'm just saying that the growth prospects aren't necessarily there. If I'm the NBA. One of the things, I'm not going to say a big fear, but one of the things that scares me. So if you look at Apple, they, they did a baseball deal that every single network passed on. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at uh, a couple other deals. They're, they're battling with Amazon o- over a couple other deals that the networks aren't getting. It's, you know, it, it's plainly obvious to me that this is sort of an expensive test that they're doing with packages that don't generate eyeballs on traditional media. What happens if after two years, they say, boy, nobody wants to watch Friday night baseball? I, will, will, that, will that keep them from going in or will they double down and really try to go after the NFL? I rest my case. <laughs> so you're asking that about Apple and like- are we I, I, well, about- well, well, I, I, I'm, I'm judging Apple against Amazon. I don't think either of their strategies necessarily work against traditional, uh, the traditional media companies. How about the traditional media companies? Cable, all we do is talk about on this podcast since we started, we're like almost 30 episodes in. All we've talked about is how cable's going down and there's cord cutting and people who never get cable. So where's this gonna, where's it gonna go to? And the question is, will people watch it streaming? That is a question. Like, will people go and still stream these things? And what does that mean for the sports league? You know, they'll lean more into gambling and all that stuff. They'll find their money, don't you worry. But that, where is it going? So Amazon's just sitting there. We'll get in. We'll get in slowly, as you'd say. Like, there's NFL slowly in your world. Anyways, um, <laughs> is that we'll get in slowly. And then these places go away. And then the only game in town is going to be Amazon. It's not. It's not going to be. Let me say, it's not going to be Amazon. But it'll be one of the only games. In, in theory, it will be one of a few players. Where it's going, let me tip my hat to traditional media. It's going to ESPN+. Plus. It's going to Paramount+. Plus. It's going to Peacock. They've already launched their streaming services as, as sort of that moat to keep stuff from, from going to, uh, to, to, to Amazon. They're, they're the same thing. What do, you, what do you mean? There are plenty of streaming, but they're, they're able also to, to, to use ESPN, get the affiliate money from, from cable operators and satellite operators, and launch a competitive service. More, pe- more people, Disney Plus and that bundle has more buzz than Amazon Prime's bundle, for goodness sakes. So I understand. So they should put up their hands and say, oh, we're not going to compete. The, the point that I think you're getting at. Here's my main point. These are for-profit companies, and they're doing deals where I don't see how they can realize profits from them. 
these rights fees are, are they're, they're big and, and these traditional companies are able to pay for it through several different uh, revenue streams. Yeah, but they're paying for it through your, through your paper towels, man. You got, oh, we're buying endless stuff. So they add- so so I'm watching Thursday night football and I'm gonna be buying paper towels. No, at no, this no, 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 no. That's not, you're, you're, you're being too literal, all right? Is that you're, but, but if you're a person, like I spoke to someone the other day who doesn't have Amazon Prime, Yankee fan. And they said, um, they love ESPN plus because huge hockey fan and the guy, and the guy couldn't interrupt listen. somebody in his family has Amazon prime, his wife does, or his like, you know, uh, 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 aunt does, or somebody does. Not everyone's a freeloader like you. They want to pay for their stuff. All right. Is that whatever I get, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that is, gotta, let's get this guy on the pod. I got some right, questions. Listen, for but him. here's the deal. So this guy, huge Islander fan, he loves ESPN plus because he said he can't, I can't live without an Islander game. I'll pay him the ESPN plus. Now he loves it because he gets all the hockey games. All right. So a little plug there for ESPN plus and their hockey. Um, but so that that's one. So he's like, but he doesn't have Amazon prime. Right. So he, he said, Oh, well now maybe I'll get it. I'm not getting Amazon prime because he's got kids. I on Friday nights, I'll skip the game. You know, I watch, I watch all the other games on. Yes. I'll still get the playoffs, whatever. But then you come around and the NFL is going to be on there. And he, he's a big sports fan. He said, Oh, let me look at the uh, Thursday night. Uh, what the schedule is going to be, but, but, but don't you see the strategy coming together for this one person? Okay. This isn't a great sample size. This one person you are bringing in the person who wasn't going to get Amazon prime and now potentially is going to have Amazon prime throughout the whole year. And then they're going to start using it more. This much. I know Apple is going to stay aggressive. Amazon is going to stay aggressive. It's going to work with, with the league. The leagues are, uh, couldn't be happier about this. The uh, networks uh, shout out to Austin Carp of uh, Sports Business Journal. 47 of the 50 most watched uh, TV programs uh, this year have been live sports. Uh, uh, NFL, of course, has, has a ton of those. The whole media business right now is predicated off live news and live sports. And so they're going to pay a handsome amount to try to keep them. And you have these deep pocketed companies uh, that want to get them. I don't see the digital strategy. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it working big time. I understand wanting to add a couple of uh, video subscribers, but the, the number of Amazon Prime subscribers, it can't get much higher than, than it is now. It can get higher maybe incrementally, but it's, it, it, it's at a pretty high spot right now. And at Apple, like, I'm not quite sure what, what, their, what their plan is with sports. It's, I, I think that that's, you know, they're certainly gonna be involved, but what the end game is for them, I don't know. They're, they're getting right now all the packages that all the media companies, including Thursday Night Football. There was not one television company that was bidding on Thursday Night Football. We've nailed this one. By the way, that was fun. That felt almost first take-ish, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that a compliment? <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's see. The money they're paying, maybe it would be good. Now, Stephen A's got going for $12 million a year. So anyway, now Russo's a big star. So that's a huge comment. You just paid us, John. All right. We, we should commentate on ourselves. We get a five out of five. Quick hits. All right. Joe Davis, World Series, uh, expected, reported that this week. Uh, you know, he was the number two guy. He's worked with Smoltz a lot. So that's expected. I know you wanted to say something. Sinclair and Charter. What can you tell me with what's next for Valley Sports? Sinclair and Charter, right now, they're going from extension to extension. The uh, big story is it looks like they're going to get a deal. So Valley Sports, you know, if they weren't able to get this deal, it would have been big trouble for Valley, Valley Sports. So it looks like they're going to get the charter deal. And then the next thing on their uh, list, they're going to have to this summer launch their app to, uh, to, to where they can stream games over the top, uh, direct to consumer. And then the next big one, 
next year direct tv is up and i have a feeling that that direct tv negotiation is going to go a lot less smoothly than this charter one so if i have charter though i'll be able to watch the games if i'm out there if you subscribe to uh, spectrum cable which charter owns you'll get your Bally sports no problem that's uh, that's what it looks like right now we had the lockout the ad market what are we looking at here? Is baseball or people into buying ads for baseball? I don't know what the ratings are going to be like uh, going forward, but ESPN, Turner, Fox, they all say that the ad market for Major League Baseball is as hot as it's ever been. They're all what they call virtually sold out. I'm not sure what that means. You're either sold out or you're not. But plausibly they, live? Is Dick Eversol Plausibly live. Deliciously uh, ridiculous. That, that, that is a delicious, deliciously ridiculous way to describe it. Regular season games for Major League Baseball virtually sold out on those three networks. It shows that the big money sponsors are still supporting this game, even with the lockout. We'll see if the fans come back. All right, let's finish up before we get to the call of the week. The Masters, Jim Nance is tremendous on the Masters. He is the Masters. Uh, you could tell that's what, when he reads a Masters read during uh, uh, the NCAA, you can feel the joy in his voice uh but what a story we're gonna have we think uh with tiger woods as we speak he just announced that he's most likely gonna play hopefully when you're listening to it he's you know he's about to play or he's already played when you're listening to this pod that's tremendous for espn first off they have the opening two rounds and then cbs if tiger can somehow uh, make it to the weekend uh that will be a humongous story i'll tell you what i'm looking for though is the biggest uh off course story has been the Saudi Golf League and Phil Mickelson's sort of association with it. Are any uh, announcers going to bring this up during the Masters where, you know, the, the Masters, they're, they're not fans, they're patrons. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it drives, drives me batty. They're, yeah, they're not patrons on this pod, okay? They're never patrons on this pod. Uh, I mean, you call them patrons, fine, but just being dictated by the Masters. I understand it's the Masters. People love it. If it's not your thing, there's you know, you still should respect it, right? Like it's obviously there's something amazing for a lot of people about the master. So I'm not, it's just uh, the answer question. I doubt it. Um, they're just not going to go against the masters and what they want. And they're not going to want them to talk about that stuff. Here's what I love most about the masters is that uh, that heavy hand gets rid of all that on-screen graffiti that all networks love. And so you, you don't have the bottom line. You barely even have a network identifier. What you have for your big screen TV are these big, beautiful pictures of spring in America. I love everything about it. The, 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 it's just a, a slower pace. It takes you back a little bit. Uh, so I, I love the Masters every year. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. Let's finish it up, John, with our call of the week. Call of the week. John, Bill Raftery, he's a legend. He had a very good championship game. And then on the final four during North Carolina Duke, a player gets slapped in the face, and Raftery is all over it. Turn around and go down the other end. Retype may have got hit across the eyes there. Ooh, a little shot. It's not even the Oscars. <laughs> Only Raft can get away with a weak old joke and not let make, make it feel stale. I, I mean, that to me is the essence of what we've been talking about for the last two or three weeks. The tournament's supposed to be fun and hearing him say something and hearing the, uh, his colleagues chortle on air and try to stifle it. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what makes college basketball fun and different than most other, other sports. Yeah. He does it with a little bit of like a grimace he knows what he's doing. And uh, that was good stuff. And he had the opening Remy line too, that we opened up the, 
podcast with as well. All right, John, we did it. We hit a lot. Um, it was a lot of fun. If you enjoyed it and you want to review us, we appreciate it. The five stars helps apparently. And, uh, um, if you write something nice, that's good too. Um, so we appreciate everybody listening on. Uh, so enjoyable, John. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.